0: Previously
1: on AFTN. R- Regardless, someone is going to be the first winner of the Canadian Premier League championship, and they're going to get to lift oh, oh.
2: the <laughs> biggest paperweight in football in history. This is like a place placeholder, but L- literally, <laughs> you could put it on a on anything and hold it in place. Hey everybody and welcome to another episode of There's Still Time, the AFTN Soccer Show. Broadcasting on 101.9 FM, CITR Radio from the unceded Musqueam Territory at the University of beautiful British Columbia. I am Michael McCall. I'm Steve Pander. And I'm Zachary Adam Eisenheimer. And if you're listening to this show in the podcast, you'll probably already know this, but this is episode 365. Hey, so we're done. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, you can stop now, right? Yeah, you told if we me. can just replay this yeah. now once a day f- every year. Yeah. All our episodes. Because basically, if
1: you look at like the Whitecaps MLS era, it's just been like on repeat, you know?
2: Well, it's some. Nah, it's not... are, are the playoffs like the leap years? Something like that. Okay, that's
1: good. Plus, it's the same thing. Old, oh, you hire an unexperienced coach, goes through a couple years, ups and downs, then they get rid of him, hire another unexperienced coach. It's the same thing. over. It's like recycling. Kind they're of. big on that, and they're big on that here yeah, in BC. Yeah. Everyone call
3: MDS an inexperienced coach. Inexperienced in no. M- N- MLS. N- MLS. Yes, I agree yeah. with yeah. that. Same, yeah. with, same with
1: the other. I guess yeah, because Martin Rennie so The other some ones experience. were just inexperienced. The other three were inexperienced
2: in MLS. Robbo was definitely inexperienced overall. Yeah, sure. Rennie had his USL experience,
3: and an experience. Tater had his limited oh, yes. NASL USL, <laughs> USL experience. I'd forgotten
2: all about Tater. It was just so fleeting. But we've got the gang back together. Steve was missing last week. How, how was Steveston? It was good.
3: It's nice, time. nice salty air.
2: Oh, it's always good down there. Really enjoy it. Clears your sinuses. Everything right seems out. salty there. Yeah. Did you get a hot dog?
3: No. Oh. Fish and chips. Wiener fish Oh,
2: chips. I said the Yep. It's late tonight. Who knows what's going to happen? Because the clocks went back an hour, so technically oh. this is midnight. Yes, you have lots of energy. I, I do. I, I stopped off at Uncle Fatty's pizza again. Oh, how's Fatty? Yeah, he's good. Oh, yeah. Thinner. Thanks, because I'm eating all the pizza.
3: Yeah, I spent the weekend at Whistler with family. Oh, oh really? Right. It was my aunt's uh, 60th birthday. Oh, nice. I'm going there tomorrow. Uh, um, we had a, a house, basically, that was supposed to sleep 13, ended up being 25. Wow. Yeah, 25. So hopefully the homeowners aren't listening to the show.
2: Hopefully that wasn't an Airbnb that had a no party policy. <laughs>
3: oh, if there was. No pander
2: party. The deposit's gone for sure. Uh, of course, there was some parties to be had this weekend in Cavalry, not by the, the Calgary supporters. I think I got that the wrong way around. Yeah, it's okay. It's so complicated. When, I, when we did our interview during the week with Scott Strasser. Scott who? Strasser, how do you pronounce that? Strasser. <laughs> Strasser I now know that, that's how you pronounce his name. That
1: He's a fine gentleman.
2: It, you have to think, are you talking about Calgary, the town? Are you thinking about Cavalry, the football team? In many ways, it's a good way Forge won it because you just talk about Forge now. Sorry, what now? No, we'll come to that. Yeah, we have a lot to cram into tonight's show. Part one. We're going to look at some championships. CPL Championship, the MLS Cup. Maybe throw an old joke in there as well. What do you call a Vancouver Whitecaps fan that's holding the MLS Cup? The engraver. (laughs) (laughs) So we're going to talk about that in part one before moving on to Whitecaps chat in parts two, three and four. Because... Got a chance to sit down with Mark DeSantos this week at at training on Thursday. We had a very, very long talk, so much so that we're going to spread it over three parts of the show, play about 15 minutes in each part, and then kind of analyse a little bit of what he was saying as well. So that's coming up in parts two, three, and four, so make sure you stay up or keep listening to the podcast. But we're going to start things off by... What's most important? Yeah, the most important thing, the North Star glass paperweight, the CPL... Canadian Premier League, they've got their first champions. Well, they've got their third champions, yeah. I, I guess, because Cavalry FC won the Spring Championship, they won the Fall Championship, in my eyes, they're the CPL champions. But on paper, the paper weight holders <laughs> champions, you might want to say, are Forge FC. And I want to congratulate Forge because they played the final, the two games, perfectly almost, good performance by them. They deserve to lift the trophy at the end of those two games. They were the better team for me over those two games, as, as Tommy Fielden referred to them. They were the worthy winners over those two games. Sure, but there's lots to talk about.
1: One, yes. one of the things, can we talk about the first leg, little bits of the first leg for a second? Did, Just touch upon. Did, it. Yeah, I thought we talked I, about that last week. No, we did, we did. But there's one thing uh, I didn't. I mean, I was watching the CBC and whatever. I don't remember any close angles. I heard some people in the in the week in between the games. Complaining that Nanko's
2: move on the sideline... Oh, may the ball fall- had gone out. Yeah. yeah, I hadn't noticed that at yeah. the time either. So that was a talk- big thing yeah. for the Cavalry side this week. Yeah. Yeah. That, that
1: that that was changed the game along with, I think, the sending off and the other sending off being receptive
2: Yeah. Forge won the series 2-0 in aggregate. They won both games 1-0. Every single game between them, all nine meetings this season were one-goal games. Now, it was a controversial ending to an extent in that Cavalry had a player brought down the box deep into stoppage time. They're all appealing to the referee for a penalty, while Forge are like, you do your appealing, we're going to break two
1: on Marco Carducci. From about, like... It was 10 yards outside the yeah, the they the, was their possibly
2: right outside the box it, yeah, was, it that's, was crazy
3: th- but that's that's really stupid on and I, I, unimaginable on a Tommy Whedon uh yeah. coach they, side they just threw that it they lost at it at that last second
2: uh, also i would say as well for me it was wasn't a penalty i think it was he got the ball you could argue he followed through on the man but the ball had gone by that point and, and
3: that's where and that's where not just in this game any game Stop appealing for stuff. Just play to the game. Yeah, you you're not, you're the not changing when anybody's there's no mind. Yeah, you're so you you
1: really not have changing to play anybody's mind. You have to play to the whistle. And I agree. Without VAR, I don't think that's going to be given.
2: And even maybe with it, maybe not. Mm. We won't delve too much into the game per se but just some thoughts just on on the overall match the atmosphere it's it's
1: okay a couple things one is uh, talking to people who were there and they felt the atmosphere was amazing it came across really good on on the stream on the stream so i know this is one of your favorite topics kind of
2: wish they
3: could have watered the pitch a little bit though
2: oh it looked terrible didn't it yeah
1: yeah so the pitch didn't look good and all that kind of stuff uh i saw more than one person on social media talking about how Maybe it wasn't so bad that this match wasn't on, on TV because the quality of it wasn't it wasn't, re- a good wasn't
2: representative of what the league's been this year. I I got a a message from somebody in the footballing community <laughs> who was saying how dreadful the game was, and it was like watching Woking versus Rushton and Diamonds in the English non-league. Oh, I want to know who that is. (laughs) I can guess. You can really narrow it down by that comment. Yeah, I know. (laughs) It it wasn't a quality game, I've got to say. And it wasn't befitting of a a championship game. The nerves, I think, maybe got to Cavalry. They had their chances. And we talked about this in the midweek show that we did. We knew Cavalry would create, and it was all a matter if they took their chances. And they didn't. They could really have wrapped this up if they'd taken their chances. And I think they know that. And I think they're very disappointed yeah. because the ch- it was such a good opportunity for them.
1: Yeah, gutted for them, you know, especially kids like Marco.
2: Kids, young men like Marco. Uh, I know, 26 now. <laughs> yeah, so old. He nearly got his hand to that breakaway as well. I mean, he did his, yeah. his best, but you could see how devastated he was. Yeah. I was surprised there wasn't more Forge fans there. They just looked at a really small pocket behind the goal. A cluster, I thought there would yeah. have been a, a bigger travelling support. There was a big media travelling support. Mm. Scott had tweeted out video from the press oh, yeah, box. Now, yeah, when I, I was there, there was like six of us yeah, in the front row. <laughs> That's how you and me. you can't actually see from the press box. You actually have to go and sit out on the terrace, yeah. which is also mixing in with the hospitality folks. So where all these people watch the game from, I've no idea. But that was just row after row after row. But that pissed me off as well. The media have turned up for the big occasion. Get out and support these teams during the regular season. You see it on the island as well. Let's not say support, report. Well, report.
3: Yeah, they're not in the position of supporting teams.
2: Support and report Mm. then during the season. Because Pacific FC as well have struggled to get media out. It's it's the usual kind of three or four people and then five when I make the trip over as well. So it was great to see them for this. But I would like more of the mainstream media to, to get out there. And yes, of course, my favorite talking point, it wasn't shown on national TV until <laughs> 11 o'clock at night.
3: And that's the only reason I got to watch it, because it happened to be on, and I actually was able to watch it uh, while... Did you know
2: the result by that point?
3: Yeah, no, I didn't know the result. Oh, so oh, I, okay. I, I, oh, that's I, I was fantastic. Because you were doing family stuff. Yeah, totally yeah. family stuff. And it was difficult watching it because there's a lot of things going in front of me as I'm watching it. Um,
2: but <laughs> but I was able to catch most of it. I saw the last goal. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was disappointing. I'm not going to harp on about it again. I know why the CPL have signed this deal with Media Pro. Yes, it makes sense for stability to give them 10 years into the league. Um, the CEO of Media Pro, Lopez, was talking before the match, and he's kind of indicated that he thinks in 2020, one soccer will have a channel on cable.
3: Yeah, Yeah, that's fine. That works. I saw you were very pleased with I, I'm pleased with that. As long as they don't start charging like $20 for well,
2: it. Well, yeah, that's the thing. I'm assuming it's going to be the same price as the stream, but that's maybe a, a big assumption to make. Which
1: of your season ticket holder of Pacific it's FC? Yeah, it's so that, free.
2: That's the interesting thing as well. Well, you have to pay a little bit extra if you want it on your TV as well to make Why it Why don't you just that.
1: put on the app on your TV?
2: See, I, I'm an old-fashioned yeah, person yeah. that struggles with casting. And, yeah, I... My TV, my downstairs TV is an LG TV, and it's not good for that. The upstairs one, which is smaller, ooh, look at me with my two TVs. It's, uh, it's a fire TV, <laughs> so it works perfectly. This is not Back to the
1: Future, 1955. We're <laughs> like, back no cities. one has two TVs. Yeah, one of them is color.
2: <laughs> but it wasn't an ideal ending. I, I was sad for the guys that we know, like Marco yeah. and Tommy, I was pleased for the guys that we know, like David Edgar.
1: Hey, I didn't see you. You didn't talk about Juliano Frano. You weren't happy for him?
2: I didn't really get to know him much oh. when he was here. I and mean, he came on briefly towards the end yeah. as well. But but David Edgar, yeah. Over, yeah. Over, happy for him. He was my man of the match. He was excellent in that second leg. But yeah. Now, how much of this, despite what we're saying about all Cavalry's achievements, everything like that, how much is it a huge anticlimax for cavalry no none of them are saying that they're saying oh we're happy with what we've achieved blah 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 you have to feel it's an anticlimax they they didn't get given anything for winning the spring and the fall thing and i think that rankles a little bit with tommy and his team they didn't get any trophy Obviously wow. they, were, they were saving it all well, up. Well,
1: I think no trophy better than <laughs> Well, I didn't
2: I don't better th- than that thing they had. I don't they think they had gone out. to the, the roadside native art shop by that time to, to get everything. The, what? So, the roadside native art shop. Oh where they got the players which player? is obviously where they got all the other end of year trophies, which we'll come to shortly. Those are actually let's those, talk about that. Those now. are quite nice. I, I like them. I think the designs are wonderful. They are very different. Yeah. I do feel that CPL tries a little bit too hard to be different. Ma I mean, I, I'm fine with those. I, I, they look really good. They look kind
1: of small. That's my. Oh,
3: yeah. yeah, I think it's probably nice scale. There's the way they show it on the paper. So I ho- yeah, I hope
2: they are bigger than they look because yeah. they do look quite. Well, quite but though small. when you see
1: the, the the North Star thing or whatever,
2: fourteen inches. Yeah, one and a half inches thick. Yeah, it's not big enough. Um, I don't
1: know. I mean, yeah, those the, the the player trophies are kind of interesting. I don't know about this whole. They're trying to do this NHL thing, right, where they have an award ceremony. Yeah, October no November twenty sixth. November twenty sixth yeah. in Toronto. That's kind of awkward. Or yeah. I'm sorry, that could be good. Maybe I don't know. We'll see how that goes. Uh, no, feel, it, feels, it feels a little bit awkward now. Um, can we talk more about the trophy about the the main trophy? Yeah. Did oh you, did have, you
2: see people? Have you seen what's been going around Twitter, Steve? Uh, oh, so, so guy, it's super.
1: A guy went into his microwave. Is that we're talking about the guy yes. in the so a guy in, I don't forget where in somewhere in Canada. It was in Halifax, yeah. the Halifax yeah. guy. So he goes into his microwave and he takes out the, the plate oh. that's in his oh, microwave. Right, right, right. And he's like, "This is the plate." And he's like, "Everyone tweet this with the hashtag whatever blah blah." So people start tweeting it. And the one which I didn't hear that much about this before. I saw this tweet and then I've listened to and heard other people talk about this since then, but um, one guy said, "Mine also doesn't have any French writing." Yes, on. <laughs> because there's a lot of people obviously mad that the they're in our bilingual country that yeah. there's only English on the on the trophy.
2: It is quite incredible, but at the same time, I don't like buying DVDs here because they've got both the language on it and it looks crappy in my in my my bookcase. Obviously, this isn't going in my bookcase unless they want to send me one. I'd be happy to. I- to take it because uh, they are not doing what they do in the NHL? Every player gets to take it to their home city. Every media member, yeah, gets you it. get to serve some cakes on it, stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know. On the, the Great Canadian Baking Show, which is a precursor to a song that's coming yes. up. Yes. Mm. Yeah, it, it's not a great trophy, but it's not, it Paulus, is laughable. Jeff well, Jeff has actually tweeted out saying he doesn't mind it, and. He's just happy that we've got a Canadian Premier League, and whatever the trophy is, he's just happy with it,
1: yeah but th- that that doesn't that's not good enough like that's not a good attitude you I know why he's saying that, and I can see people connected to the league saying that to take like pressure off or whatever, but this is clearly something that they did did that was not good enough like there's some things you can give him some leeway on, I think
2: some stadium stuff and whatever but this is this is not rocket science, no. Too much more, really, to to talk about. Oh, big highlight for me from the final. This was my favourite thing, was Andy Petrillo's leather pants. I thought that was the highlight. Some words also on Bobby Smyrniotis. I think he deserves a lot of credit. What he's done in the Canadian game, he, he went off to Greece. He was in the Youth Academy with Olympiacos. Came back to Canada 15, 16 years ago. All the work that he's done with Sigma... So many of the players on this Forge team have come through Sigma at some point recently or in the past. So many top talents in Canada have come through Sigma. A few, yeah. And everyone always talks about the MLS academies. Sigma have been a standout academy for years and it's great to see them getting this kind of recognition now. And for Bobby as well, the work that he's put into Canadian soccer, I'm, I'm very pleased for him. I think overall it's been a good CPL season. We'll talk a little bit more about it in the coming weeks to, to round off this year as well, because we've got some interviews that we're going to be bringing you with head coaches and some players, and we'll, we'll kind of do a little bit of chatting about each individual team as well. But for for all the criticisms that you can maybe have about the league, about the scheduling and, and various things like that, it's been a success. Delighted to have it. Something strong to build on. And I think the from... People that have talked about it, the general overall opinion is the quality's been better than folk expected. They had to get it right in year one. And for me, pretty much all of it, they have got right. They've
3: got most of it right. And like I said, at the beginning of the year, I, w- I wanted them... I. I was okay with them treating it like a, like a, you know, a rehearsal or something for what soft, launch. The, a soft launch. Yes. That's the, word. I think that's the word I use. Um So I'm, 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 but I'm thinking it's, it's gone well. Yeah. There's always going to be kinks on the road. There's going to be, going to be like, you know, think they need to change, adjust and stuff like that. But overall I think it's been a success for what it's been, especially the short time frame they launched it in. I feel still feel that's a very short term to launch a actual league, top league in the yeah. one of the country.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that, those are fair. Uh, obviously, we're missing some significant pieces to to this picture, to this puzzle, uh, specifically the financial breakdown of things. How much did they make? How much did they probably lose? Mm. That kind of stuff. Uh, you know, the, even the specifics of the, the you talked about MediaPro, Michael. You know, what 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 is that two hundred million? Because we know it's not cash, yeah, or we know it's not all cash for sure. You know, what does the deal with Macron look like? You know, what are these things getting them? Uh, how is it offsetting some of the, their, how, how was it set up to set up offset some of the potential losses and all that kind of stuff? It'd be good to know that. But I agree with you in general, both you in general, that
2: it has been a, p- a positive year, despite what I just said about yeah. small things like the trophy. And the, you- I mean, the, the big question is, is there going to be an eighth team for next year? they yeah. pretty much, for me, just got a week to announce it yeah. because you've got the draft coming up next week and you can't have a team in the league that hasn't had a chance to draft a player in the well, draft, I don't feel. Well, you could if you give well, you them... Can,
1: if
3: but you
2: can.
1: If you give them other...
3: Uh,
2: incentives. incentives. Yeah. Yeah. Take benefits. a player from whatever team you want. No, um, <laughs> if it, you
3: get them, bring in it, some of their own The brands. last thing I'll say about the CPL itself, mm-hmm. the last thing I'll say about it is that, it, you know how everybody says it's difficult to launch an expansion team? This is essentially an expansion league. Yeah. And so it's like a, league, uh, a team starting from scratch with no foundation or anything like that. So it's, it's, it's done well for what it was. Yep.
2: Absolutely, and delighted for everyone involved in it. And as I say, we'll talk a little bit more about it over the, the coming weeks.
1: Oh, definitely, because already the rosters are changing. And oh, yeah, oh. lots of goodbye tweets yeah. from,
2: from players. So there's an Ontario Championship in the Canadian Division One. Are we going to get an Ontario Champion in America's Division One League as well? Because as one North American Championship gets decided, another one is on its way this weekend. We talked about it last week. It was a nightmare situation. Yeah. The Halloween horror came to pass. It's another Cascadian rival versus Canadian rival in the MLS Cup, Seattle-Toronto. Boy. Meteor you match know round
3: three. I know, I know uh, people might get upset at me, but I'm kind of like, I was excited to see this because it really upset the people at MLS oh, and yeah. New York. Because they wanted LAFC versus Atlanta, and, and, yeah. and
1: probably the Whitecaps FO
3: as well. Yeah. yeah. So if you think it of it that, way, it's, it's not a bad thing. I don't think. For uh, I think it's hilarious. I think I thought it was especially the Seattle game. Thanks. I, the, oh. I thought that was like I was like, especially Bradley not able to. Uh, I don't think he moved his arms at one point after once they fell behind. Or, oh, I, I know and. Afterwards as well, and the Schmitzer thing. I don't know what they talked about. Schmitzer.
2: But... I, I listened to an interview with Schmitzer during the week, and he said, "Look, there was nothing to it. I know folk are trying to blow this up, but it was. It was just he wasn't." I'm he sure was there was nothing to it, but the whole things. optics His of it looked fantastic. He yeah. looked, he, he looked the courteous winner that we've never seen, the courteous loser that we see all the time. Even when he wins, he's kind of. It's like he's lost the game, and always has something to moan about. And, as he was here yeah, when, and when week, he won the game,
3: and the thing is, the week before, the telling—did he tell to get lost or something? He told one oh, of the yes, reporters, "Oh uh, the yeah. reporter,
2: yeah." But, but that—that was—I was okay with that. <laughs> of course, he didn't win here. That's why he was in Oh that yeah, race. yeah. For, forget about that. I Seattle and Toronto. I don't like praising our rivals, but they both put in excellent conference final performances, and they—they they deserve to get through. And LAFC, when it was 1-0 to LAFC and they got that penalty, that was never a penalty. That, would, that was harsh. I was getting, had my tweet all typed up. Yeah. Going, oh, here we go. Game over. Let's let's hope it ends up 5 or 6 now. Waiting to hit send. It's like, oh, he saved it. I'll just delete that. Mm-hmm. And for Toronto to come back like that, in that atmosphere. Without Altador, without Omar Gonzalez. Well, it, Omar
1: Gonzalez on the bench, right? He's not fully full. was he yeah, sure yeah. I wasn't
2: sure. It was... It was a very good performance and like both Seattle and Toronto, they deserve to be in this final. It's the third time in four years these two teams meet in the final. First two were in Toronto. This one's in Seattle. Still not sure if I'm going down for it or not. Kind of want to go down for all the the non-game side of it because there's uh, Don Garber's doing his State of the League thing and there's lots of events and things on. The game itself, I really couldn't be arsed watching, well, to be well, honest. Were
1: you there in 2009? Were you no, there? I didn't. And that's oh. the
2: thing, I've never been to an MLS Cup. yeah. So I would kind of like to go down and kind of take in the whole spectacle. To- I just hope it's not going to be a game like it was in 2016, because that was the most boring MLS Cup I think we've ever seen. Nil nil penalties. The one the year after when TFC won it 2 nil was a much better game. I think we will get a good game this time. I can't see this being a game... That, that disappoint, and it's 72,000 fans there as well. The tickets, we'll, we'll come to that in a sec, but who have you got in this one? What are you expecting The Meteor.
1: Who doesn't have the meat here
2: Yeah who doesn't
1: No, uh, t- 2009 when they were the neutral site hosts When they were brand new in the league And mm-hmm. it was LA Galaxy versus Real Salt Lake In the final
2: Did you go down to
1: Yeah there was a big well, Not big There was a group of us that went down And it was, it was the game wasn't amazing But I think it was 1-1 And then Salt Lake won in a shootout I think Golden Balls might have skied Won in the shootout Well, he got stopped, I think. Him and Orlando Kiggs both got stopped. It was fun. Will Johnson, that was before everyone in Vancouver hated him. He was a a Canadian men's national team player that most people liked. Uh, He got sick. He had, like, food poisoning, played a half and came off. And we got to talk to him. killed off at halftime? Something like that, yeah. In Seattle? Yeah. (laughs) So, worth going? Yes, worth going down (laughs) next week, I think. And uh, so we got to talk to him. He didn't didn't celebrate on the field. He was in one of the big jackets coming off, kind of shaking. And he's like, yeah, I'm just sick, man. Like, I can't be here i got to get <laughs> but, he, but 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 that was you know a, that was, it was a fun and you're right the things around the game were almost more enjoyable than the yeah. game because it was a whole all these things happened that there was all these because it was the neutral site so there was all these big league things happening and it was yeah it was it was interesting to go and be a part
3: of it. i got tfc 2-1 <laughs> yeah that
2: that was the simple question i asked uh i actually have I, I want tfc to win this because i want bradley's contract to get triggered his extension oh yeah so for that reason alone, I just want it to be TFC. Yeah, I, I honestly going don't to think unbearable. TFC minds
3: doing that if they win the Cup. It means winning the Cup. They don't care.
2: Yeah, they can always find some way to get rid of him. food poisoning. Well, he's know. not coming here anyways,
1: right? Oh, he's not coming here. There's some of that foolish talk? No, okay. no,
2: no. Well, I, yeah. I, 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 so so who, I, who have you got? Meteor. Well, MDS was asked about this, and the, the white wrapped their training up on Thursday. So MDS was asked a little bit about who he wants to see win the MLS Cup. Here, here's what he had to say on it.
4: You ask me if I watch them live? No, I don't. I, I played with my kids yesterday at 5 and before that, I the game before LAFC, LA Galaxy, I was watching a movie with my kids. I don't watch these games, I watch the highlights because it, it bothers me to, to watch playoff and not be a part of it. What did you think of the results so, and do you have a prediction for the final? Uh, I wasn't that surprised with the Atlanta result. Uh, because Atlanta has shown throughout all the season that it's a very strong team, but they had moments playing home uh, in big games that they didn't win those games. Um, Toronto went to win NYCFC, so that wasn't as much as a surprise for me than LAFC because LAFC was a monster playing home. LAFC was a team that... uh, Uh, won the majority of their home games and last year uh, that lost against uh, Real Salt Lake in the quarterfinals of the playoffs and then being one win away from a final that was the U.S. Open Cup and losing against Houston in in penalty shots. So in my head was there's no chance uh, this third time something like that's going to happen. So for me it uh, uh, it was the biggest surprise.
2: So that was MDS's thoughts there on the MLS Cup. Hard to disagree. And Zach is cheering for a meteor. And I played this on our midweek show, but for a folk that didn't hear it, I just want to play this again just to round this section off. Here's Jake Norwinski's take on who should win the MLS Cup.
1: Jake, did you get a chance to watch the MLS semifinals? Obviously Seattle and... (laughs) And uh, gosh, who beat, who beat uh, Toronto? Seattle and Toronto. Yeah, you've got them the already. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, who cares, right? Yeah, um, <laughs> two of the worst no, teams for
0: no, us to make no it huh? on. We've
3: beaten two of the better teams in the league this season that most people would have pipped to go all the way to the finals.
0: Do you have any predictions for the finals? And you know, how do you look at those teams? Listen, if I was a betting man, I would lose all my money. There's no way I'd bet those teams to make it to the finals. They went into the two hardest places, you know, to
2: play, really, as away teams. And they came out with wins, and I think it's... You know, it's it's cool for the league that it's you know the last three out of the four. that's those two teams. Um, I think I I don't even know who I, I don't really care because I don't I want them to tie. Can they tie? <laughs> like, and like no one wins, no one lifts the up. Is that fine? But <laughs> I think it's going to be tough for Toronto to
0: go and do it again in a you know another crazy atmosphere Seattle. Yeah.
2: Is that a possibility that no one can win? I'd yeah, go and yeah. see that. Yeah. If the meteor hits. Okay, but then I then I'll if I'm there watching it, i I'm sure you'll be fine. You know. Collateral damage, I'll take that. I'll take one for the team, (laughs) literally. You guys can carry on in my memory.
1: (laughs) The AFTN Memorial
2: Podcast. Yes. Just before we we wrap up, got a tweet from Greg Petrie who says, not sure if you saw this, but apparently CBC did want to show the final of the CPL Live. Chris Wilson from CBC says that CPL chose to show the game exclusively on their own a streaming service so we were unable to show the game live we decided late was better than never so there you go they they wanted to show it but the CPL are the ones that said no
3: that's a massive mistake
2: that's crazy anyway that is it for the CPL and MLS chat we're going to get to the stuff that everyone's going to want to hear in tonight's show we'll be back chatting with Mark DeSantos after this
3: I'm David Edgar and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show.
0: I stayed up too late, making cupcakes for the fades, which I accidentally ate. Mm-hmm. I gotta watch my weight, mm-hmm. was fast a shepherd that just but now I'm going to free. There's a better show for me, mm-hmm. and it's on the BBC. So I keep mixing Can't stop, won't stop Whisking Big up to Mr. Kittling I don't know what I'm doing But I hope it's gonna be alright I don't wanna get some steak, steak Steak, 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 I just wanna cake, 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 cake. So I guess I'm gonna bake Cake, bake, cake, cake Bake it off, bake it off I don't wanna get some steak, steak Steak, 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 steak I just wanna cake, cake, cake it's all about cakes, pies, buns, and sweeties. If you wash too much, you get type to diabetes. Look at Paul Hollywood, a good looking man. But I swear if you cut him in half, he's full of jab.
2: Goldie looking chain, friends of the show, and for the first time, Steve thought they were returning, but it well, just feels like we've, just feels like we've had them as artists of the month before. Artists of the Month for November, Wales' Finest Rappers. That was from 2015. So I was just trying to shake it off and bake it off. Was, it, was that they said, bake it yeah, off? Yeah, it was bake it off. Bake it that off. was their homage to the Great British Bake Off, which the latest series wrapped up this week. So that's why I thought I would kick off our GLC songs with that one. And i mean, like, Zach, you strike me as a man that knows your way around a cake shop. What is your favorite kind of cake? Actually, I don't like cake, really. What? Yeah. Steve, do you? I know you can't eat chocolate. I like vanilla. <laughs> oh. Vanilla cake's Actually, cake. Actually, cake, French vanilla.
1: For me, uh, I like ice cream. So ice cream cake. That's the ice cream cake. You never had that. Uh,
0: yeah, but
2: no, it's I'm not, not a really big a fan cake. of that. What? Ah, no. oh, even oh, the just chocolate a vanilla part. If I want ice cream, I just want ice cream. Why yeah. do I have to be in a cake? And that's just a Viennetta. That was a big U cake and an ice cream cake. I I, I love Bake Off. The British one wrapped up this week. The Canadian one wraps up this coming week. I've also downloaded to watch the new Australian series of Bake Off. And the New Zealand one came back this weekend as well. So I've got all that to watch. That's a whole lot of Bake Off. I love my cakes. What can I say? They have like pie weeks, pastry weeks. Giddy and me were commentating on the Canada West finals this weekend. And there's a guy that played for Calgary called Philo. (laughs) And it was everything in my powers not to make some kind of pastry joke about him every time he was on the ball. And I I did well. I did lap so, because it's Calgary Dinos, and they were 2-0 down late on, and I I had said to Gideon, do you think they're going to bring on their their big target man, Terry Dactyl? I hear he's really good in the air. I love doing the commentary. But yes, that was Goldie Luke and Shane here in the AFT and Soccer Show. So going back to cakes and bacon... Oh. To to make a good cake, you need the perfect ingredients, a little bit of love, a little bit of magic as well when it goes in the oven to bring it all together. And for me, that's almost like building a football squad. Segue. That's what MDS has to do, though. He has to put all his ingredients in a bowl and try and come up with the best possible cake. We'll be doing that, by the way, for the Christmas show. We're going to have the great AFTN bake-off. Just give you the heads up for that. This week I got a chance to sit down with Mark for quite a lengthy chat with him. He did make the mistake at the start of saying, take as long as you need. (laughs) No one should ever say that to me when I'm doing interviews. Usually when I say this is going to take five minutes, it usually takes double that time. Caitlin would maybe disagree, but that's a whole other story. But we did have a lengthy chat covering a wide variety of topics, and we're going to bring you that now over the next three parts. We're kind of splitting the chat up into... A past, present and future almost so, oh, so let's get to it This is like the Christmas story Yeah, I didn't want to spend too much time dwelling on the past But there, there was stuff that I felt we had to talk about So let's kick everything off now Here is Mark DeSantos He's the for- Thank you for doing this Mark And I don't want to talk too much about the season that's past. Because it's past, And I'm always more looking forward to the future Because what's done is done there is a couple of little things I just wanted to kind of touch on from going back you've had a couple of weeks now to kind of think about the season finishing if you were to kind of sum up how this season has been for you in, in one or two words what, what would you say
4: for me personally yeah. uh, I would say in two words there's a mix of frustration and, and huge learning process it's tough to say it in one word. It's a mix of both. I thought there's frustration a, might be the word that you. Yeah, you but went, there's but. a huge learning, learning, and I have to justify it on the sense that I came from from a club that was LAFC, uh, and I arrived there in a club that was in uh, maybe the worst moment of their history. Uh, because there was way too many things happening. If you look at the season off the field and on the field, there was a lot of things that could have brought frustration to the coach, and it brought frustration to me. But at the same time, there was a huge uh, learning uh, process in, in my life as a coach. That was
2: one of the things I was going to ask you. Is it fair to say that the job was maybe a little bit bigger than you thought it was going to be when, when you first came in.
4: Yeah, much bigger because uh, it was much bigger, I think, because of the state the club was in. If I would have arrived in a club that had a, a nucleus of players, um, a little bit if I could compare with, with someone that came with me, j- just comparing, right, when uh, that came with me from the NSL Gio, Gio arrived in a Portland team that had a lot of history and Valeri was there and Blanco was there and many players like Chara was there so you arrive into a nucleus do you, do you understand oh, what yeah. I mean? Yeah. and I felt I arrived into like an empty hole yeah. <laughs> you know like who are the nucleus? who are the key players? where is everybody going? <laughs> what's going on? and that was the difficult part of the job for me, that was the most difficult part of the job. Uh, and now I feel I'm, I'm, I am I'm have to pay a price this last season to try to build the culture moving forward. And I'm excited about that.
2: Like a year ago when you came in, there was a lot of excitement. Did, I mean, obviously you'll set personal goals and everything like that, but did you think you would be where you are now in a year's time and basically having to go and rebuild... Not the whole squad, because you've got some no, key players no, no. there, but you're, you're still looking for those really key
4: personnel. Yes. no, 100%. We're still looking for the, especially in the attack. In the attack, we're looking still for those key difference makers that you don't need to do everything by the book. You know, some of the players that are just going to take that are going to kind of help the coach in the last third. You know, the, the the goal yesterday, the first goal of Toronto FC, that's not worked in training. I guarantee you that. That's a moment where he's in the corner of the box, cuts inside, great shot with his right foot, and we didn't have enough players to bring those moments, to, to help in those moments, and that's what we're looking for. Yeah. So. When I was building in the beginning, did I think that we would be here today? No, I thought we would have more of these key players. Unfortunately, we don't, but we're in a much better state today than when I arrived in the sense that, think about Max Cripple. I think about in the possibility of keeping Eric Godoy, Yasser Kimiri, that is training like a a machine, and I'm excited to see him in preseason. Derek Cornelius that has a full year now in MLS and is a regular with the national team that sometimes we we think the grass is always green uh, Mm -hmm. in the other country, south to us. Mm -hmm. But we just beat them in yeah. a in a very convincing way. And Derek played in that game. We have Ali with us. We have Inbiom with us. We have Rusty another year with us. Uh, a player like Tio Bear growing with us. You know. So when I look at all of that, not just to name a few, you say, "Man, you're in a much better position than than when I arrived in the beginning of two, the end of 2018."
2: I I asked Jake this today. If you just look at the stats, it looks like the defence was terrible. But you watch the games and you know that some of the best performers this year were on the defensive side, which obviously shows you where a lot of the the other issues were. But is it weird to have so many strong defenders, but yet give up so many goals the the way that the team did?
4: Yeah, I think that the the, the reason why we had to suffer so much defensively was a lot, Related to the lack of pressure in the first line a lot. And that's something that we're evaluating to get better next year. And one of the things that helped us is definitely if you look at the last six games, we defended much less in the six games than we defended in all the rest of the games. Yeah. And it's related to, to players like Michael or Toss doing better that job and it's not that it improved the quality but improved us being far from our goal um, that's something we we want to improve and looking for pieces that are going to help us improve in that and we will i'm 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 absolutely sure about that that we will uh and if that's linked to the way we won um we then create enough in the opponent's half and that made us suffer a lot defensively. If you look at our wins, our wins are all, are all wins that apart from the LA Galaxy one, that defensively we needed to be perfect. There was one crack. We lose because there wasn't enough offensively. An exa- The DC win home, 1-0. Portland home, 1-0. LAFC w- home, 1-0. All perfect performance defensively, and we got something. Even the Dallas win, won the 2-1 home. It's all that you have to be perfect defensively to win, and we can't live like that. We need to have enough weapons offensively that make us breathe and make us score the first and the second goal, and now we breathe a little bit more, right? That those Those results, we need much more of those. How much
2: have you questioned yourself this year as to – you, you've always had success. I've known you for a while now. Right? Yeah. You've always been a successful coach. Have you questioned your own abilities or your own approaches this year?
4: No, No, I didn't question them. I'm upset with a decision I took that made us go backwards instead of continue forward. So I, I assessed some of the decisions I took during the year. Uh, when I go back and I was talking with uh, with my staff about that, if you when when you know that you're successful as a coach, is you know what your starting lineup looks like all the time. You have this steady. I go back to 2019, and you ask me. Lineup, 2009, when you won with Montreal, Mm -hmm. 90% of the time we played in a 4-4-2 diamond. Matt Jordan, Adam Braz, Jacques Eviel, Nevio Pizzalito, Stephen DeRue, David Testo, Leo DiLorenzo, Tony Donatelli, Joey Gerson, Roberto Brown, and Peter Byers. I know them by heart because it was so ingrained in, in a Pattern and we knew exactly what we were doing. I go to, to the Ottawa Fury, uh, Romeo Alpeze, Ryan Richter, Rafael Alves, Colin Falve, uh, Mason Trafford, Richie Ryan Sinisa, Julian De Guzman, uh, Wiedemann, Einemann, and Paulo Jr., and always ingrained, and we knew exactly what we were doing. I could tell you the same with, uh, with uh, San Francisco, where then it was a back three and it was Carl. Uh, Nana, Reynad, Jackson, Max, in the midfield, Greg, Tyler, and Mikey Stevens, and then Kyle Becker and Tommy Einem, mm-hmm. I mean, always, always ingrained in the team. Here? I don't know.
2: Yeah. So, Especially in the attacking, because it you know, was like... I, no,
4: yeah. but I don't know. It's very grey. And I talk, told the guys that I take blame after the, the, the Gold Cup. After the Gold Cup, players arrived and the locker room was not the same. Um, We tried to question a lot. Was It it was in a weak moment because I think we had those three weeks without playing Mm. and we're coming from 11 games. We had one loss. Uh, We were two or three points away from a playoff line, right? And I felt, okay, if we sign now... Two guys to make our team better. Now we're going to have a chance of going. But those signings didn't come. Uh, so July transfer window was not good. The signings didn't come. We didn't get help. And now because of injuries and guys coming from the national team, we were a lot between the four-three-three, the 3-5-2. We played in Seattle in a four-three-one-two. one 2 with a diamond midfield, those change uh, tactically, uh, bring a lot of uh, instability. and that's what I'm more uh, disappointed with, with with me in that side. But uh, my staff keeps on telling me it's also related with the personnel we had at that time. But then if you look if you look in the last six, seven games, where our results and were kind of more steady, and we went to get some wins and some points, and we could have won even in Montreal. We just went into an approach that were more pragmatic. We play in a 4-3-3. This is what we want to do, and now let's keep working, going towards 220 like that. Uh, so I learned in, in all of that process.
2: Mark Desantos, there. What, what? What? One word would you use to sum up this season? I, I. He said frustration, and frustration was the one I thought he would pick. Any other words do it? Shambolic. <laughs> Wondered how that sh- was going to end.
3: I. I. I, I kind of. I. For me, it was expected. I. I not maybe expected the bottom of the the conference, but I didn't think they were going to make the playoffs. I thought they would be better at. Um, maybe challenging for a spot, maybe being competitive longer in the season, but I think expected considering all the changes that were made.
2: Yeah, I mean, it was always going to be a, a tough ask. You thought if they were going to make the playoffs, sixth, seventh was maybe going to be the the best that they could have, have hoped for. But even right up until the summer, we were still very much in with, with a shout as well. No. But he he mentioned that he arrived here in a club that was maybe in its worst moment in its history with way too many things happening on and off the field. Obviously, that, come, that came got, after, that you used worse. the word shambolic, yeah. came after that shambolic end-of-season pressers last year where the players just were the, the infighting, and then you've got your two experienced guys, Kai Kamara not coming back, Kendall Waston, very vocal that he didn't want to come back for, for reasons off the pitch more than anything. And... If you take all that in mind, and I think a lot of fans probably don't realise just how bad it was. They, they know how bad the Whitecaps organisation can be. But when you hear the, the head coach describe it as maybe one of its worst moments in its history, that's bad. Yeah, but most. that was last year, not yeah. this year. So that's yeah, what he came in. That's yeah. when he had to try well, but, and lift it from.
1: But if that's how he talks about when he came in, it got even worse. Like... But did it? The, no. Yeah, the, the things off the field got even worse. Off
3: the field, yes. I understand that off the field. But it, this wasn't concerning the team. This was stuff that was in the okay. past. And I 100% yeah. agree with you. It was horrendous what happened well, off the pitch. Uh, in the, especially th- this was more boardroom stuff that happened this year. Sure. Not really on okay. the pitch.
1: But also, in one sense, it got worse because they uh, there were so many misses and
2: who was brought in to try and make the team better. Yeah. I mean, his, his recruitment is definitely questionable because there was so much players that were projects and they didn't work out. And there was players that we knew were going to be inconsistent. He hoped to turn them around and he didn't. But he had such a short time to, to put his squad yeah. together.
3: See, when you do something like that, you need to bring them in sooner. If you're going to yes. do something like that, I mean, so that, that, was that, the was, thing. that was the biggest thing. Like that, every- that's the
2: problem because when leagues they're finishing when the transfer window is yeah. open, everything like that. I mean, Be- he said it was a bigger job for him than he expected because there was no nucleus here. The thing is, people think it's you know talk about the January transfer window. And actually, for MLS,
3: I don't think it opens in January. If I'm not mistaken, it opens it's in February. February. Yeah. Yeah. So people always think, oh, January transfer. There's no January transfer window in MLS. Yeah. yeah you, you can, can sign players. You can have arrangements have, for signings, yeah, but folk the original transfer, up. yeah, February. Yeah, and he but,
2: described it as an empty hole with it, the way that the players were leaving and wanting out. And that is the most difficult part of his job. And he said he had to take this first year pain. I'm not sure that's how it was sold to the fans, that it was going to be no, so much pain. And I think it wasn't at all. that's where so much of the fan frustration yeah. came from this year.
1: But yeah, and the, the mass exodus, they knew it was going to happen because the, the way the Whitecaps structure things is they center so much around... Uh, the 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 coach, right? So they ha- they have these people with these other titles who don't really do what those people traditionally do in in football, in football clubs. Yeah. And so much like people, you know, I don't know if it was this clip or one of the clips we're going to listen to later. How we taught and you- yes, yeah, one of the the what, future okay. ones, So maybe i yeah. will talk about that more later. But the, the so much is on the head coach at the yeah. Vancouver Whitecaps that it it, 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 it uh,
2: they can only do so much. Yeah, he can't be the coach and do all these wear all these other hats. Yeah. He's we'll like, talk about that in more detail yeah. in a he, He's still looking in the attack for the key difference makers. But the, the thing is, since we've come t- into MLS in 2011, we've always struggled to find these key difference makers. Or maintain or hold or, on to or them. Or at least maintain them, <laughs> yeah, yeah, like Camilo. And then you've got Pedro Morales. He comes in and he's got a great first year. Yeah. And then it doesn't, doesn't work out. We've always seemed to be a club that is struggling to get a prolific goal scorer after Camilo or a key difference maker that's going to boss the the middle of the park. And I know a lot of it is you get what you pay for, yeah, and that's easy to say. But other teams manage to find... We've always looked for hidden gems, diamonds in the rough. It hasn't seemed to work out most of the occasions. Other teams, though, seem to have a recruitment that finds these guys.
1: Yeah, but that's, again, more symptomatic of who the club is and how they function. I mean, the Camilo thing is is the perfect case in point. They found, they unearthed a diamond yeah, in the rough. He was, he was the one guy. But both the things you talk about—how they, kind of how who they are and how they function off the pitch—and money are the reason why Camilo wasn't here. He wasn't va- He didn't feel value. Yeah, he didn't as feel value. Um,
2: players also have ambitions and want to move on. No, no. Like he would have stayed in a year. He would have stayed. He would have stayed. If, for, was he, would have stayed if they, he would have left if he had another good season he would definitely have, So when you couple you know, the money or if had with better how, security in the dressing room if
1: you <laughs> if you couple the money with with how they treated him like as a person and whatever those two things yeah. are why
2: why he left and the, none of that has changed no no you know, it, i don't think well it might not feel like it i know but we are in a better position than we were a year ago because we've got a core nucleus to build around so, On the pitch, it feels like we're in a worse position because we finished way lower than the, the table. Th- the thing
3: oh. is, right now we have an unstable core.
2: Yeah, totally. Like how how can it you is, how can that, you it, say it,
1: there's a good core, Michael, when they came when they were as bad as they were? Because even some of the well, he has
2: players that he's going to go direct. No,
3: there's a core. It's just unstable right now that he needs to solidify yeah. with more uh, to add. With, with that's that's fair, Steve. Yeah. And
2: that, that's something that we'll, we'll look at because in a because as well,
1: mo- uh, the the core I think mo- the core mostly centers around defensive players. Which yeah. is hard because the defense was awful yeah. as a team. Yeah, I know if, the midfield look was at the stats, not good for that. But. If you look
2: at the stats, yeah, the defense does look bad. But there was a lack of pressure as well from the totally. front line that meant that so much play came yes. on the defense. And, and that's what like, I was talking about. Yeah, like yeah.
3: He, he called the front line. I think it's like a midfield, but it's kind of combination. Yeah. If, if you if you're not
2: spending more of the game in your yeah. opponent's half, your defense is under the cost constantly. And, would and, you, j- would and no, no matter Top- how good it can be, Jake talked about Topper that. And you don't
3: even need possession. In that
2: half. You just need to keep them yep. like push back. And you've got pressure. to give your defenders some, some breathing t- space, some time off the ball. And it was like constant attack, attack, attack. And you could be the best defence in the world. You're going to break if you're constantly under that. You can't be perfectly defensive all that time. So I asked him if he, how much he questioned himself, but he said he didn't question himself too much, but he has been upset at some of the decisions that he took. Mm-hmm. And I think that is around some of the players that he brought in, but also I think as well, he, he moved, he talked pre-season. We, we were at the thing where he was talking about he wants to play a high press. We saw the videos, he showed how he wants the players to be, little triangles, Johnny Rice was going to be a, a part of it, he was going to be the key, That was going to be all over the pitch. And then that wasn't working, so he moved away from that to try and get a way of playing that fitted the players that he had, and that's kind of where it all fell apart. And I know we weren't getting a lot of success anyway, but he always talked about believing the process, but he kind of almost gave up himself on the process and then moved a little way from it. But it was also interesting to me that he said the locker room changed after the Gold Cup, and it did feel different after that gold cup and we're not saying the locker room changed in a 2018 kind of way but there was definitely something was up in that locker room and just the way the players were on the pitch
3: yeah and the thing is i think for me like and well we could even discuss it down the road even more because when we do our recap show down the road we could discuss particular games for me the seattle game when they held on, held on, held on, oh, and then goodness. lost late. Yeah. It seemed to that was devastate, killer. that was devastated the morale of the team. And I think the, ever since then, they lost games before that, but that game, something happened to them after that game. And I just felt like yeah. they couldn't recover. It took them a long but time But that, that
2: little spell in the Gold Cup as well, they were playing not bad as a no. unit. And it's when the players came back from the Gold Cup as well that they seemed to then go on a bad run again. Yeah. But yeah, you do have to know your squad.
1: Oh, well, yeah. And so he went and, and he listed his like, primary starting eleven in his days with the impact. He listed yes. his primary starting eleven in his days in Ottawa. But that 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 was a big like when he talks about um, things that he looks back on. Yeah. Not, his consistency yeah.
2: is is a key is who to, were to winning teams. Who were those players that were gonna be the, the starters? So it's a case now of moving forward for the White Cats. We those days are past now and in the past they must remain, to quote Flyer Scotland. Have to look ahead. And that's what MDS is going to do.
4: After this. Hi, I'm Mark Dos Santos, and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show.
0: One One step step down. Down.
2: One Step Beyond. Uh, Skanking it up in the studio here. Or at least I was. Zach was on his phone. Madness. That's who that was. Previous Artist of the Month. But that song was released this week in, can you guess what year? 1979. It was on Stiff Records. They started off, though, on two-tone. And I am wearing... My Coventry City, we talked about this on oh, the earlier show. Oh, you got it, you got it. Yay. The third strip, it's a homage to Two-Tone, who are celebrating their 40th anniversary, much like Vancouver, whitecaps. And it's a special little thing, it's got their little... Oh, oh yeah. I can't really talk in the microphone when I turn my back, yeah. I just realised. So, it's got the little scar man on the back. No, I take your word for it. And then I kick, in, kick out racism and lots of Two-Tone stuff in the neck. It is wonderful. I tweet some photos of that out. Their first single, The Prince, was released on Two Tone. And that was One Step Beyond on the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio, 101.9 FM. So MDS is looking to take the Whitecaps at least one step beyond where they were this season. Hopefully quite a few steps beyond where they finished this season. If, if this year was baby steps, next year we have to have our big boy pants on. The pressure is definitely on him to deliver. He knows it, but he's not just going to go out and and sign the wrong players just to appease, which, let's be honest, is now a long-suffering fan base when you're looking at all our rivals making the MLS Cup, winning the MLS Cup. And it might not be what fans want to hear, but not everything is going to be addressed in this transfer window. It's still going to take time to have the kind of team that MDS wants. But he's going to explain exactly what he means by that in this part and just how he's looking to shape the Whitecaps. You've talked about your previous teams. If you look ahead now to next year with our team, I mean, you've rattled off all those players that you knew were going to be starters. How many starters do you feel this team needs to be competitive? This
4: team needs two Major attacking players. We need to add two major attacking players. On a number nine and a winger. Uh, We need at least one major midfield. And if possible, depending on some moves, if the cap allow, another one. Uh, And we need another defender. That for me, one, three... minimum of five important players. That's what we need.
2: We talked about the defence earlier. Is is there maybe a feeling, I know Daniil's got experience, because whenever we talk to Daniil about experience, he says he's played since he was 18, so he has that experience. But you look at some of the other teams that's done well in MLS over the years, and they've added, at some defensive position, a a senior veteran experienced guy is that maybe what this team is needing to just help with the organization and get the guys in front to to yeah, kind of defend better it,
4: no it's yeah it's a tricky question you know if you look at if you look at uh, at some teams in the world there they have young center backs that that went far like Ajax last year Winning the the Dutch League and the the semi final of Champions League, I I really think it's a connection of everything. Uh, you just need to be to have players in your roster and in your starting eleven that have very good ability to close down the space in front of them, to press well, to to push the lines well, and and that's what we're looking for. If you look at Uh, LAFC with the season they had never mind this one game off uh, because in a normal league they dominated the league from A to Z and they would be champions but because of a playoff structure you have the ability to always get another chance and people don't remember the supporter shield they remember the MLS Cup champions Uh, but you have to look at the dominant run all year of LAFC with Segura 21, and uh, Walker Zimmerman, so it's not much experience. Yeah, I guess that then brings me to MLS sometimes experience. Sometimes you can some, sometimes you can have a number six that holds everything together, mm. uh, but the number nine needs to be a guy that's ah, workaholic in front of him. So it it really depends on on how many in your If if all your team is experienced and then your two center backs are very Dynamic, fast, strong, but but young. It, it really depends.
2: Yeah, I guess. No, that's if t- you
4: bring MLS ex- experience, yeah. I agree with you. Because I know you touched on that you. at the
2: end of the season, and yeah. it's something I've always been a big proponent of. And I think I think that gets undervalued a lot here because people see all the European leagues and they're like, "Oh, we need to get here these in guys Vancouver? in MLS," but particularly here, a okay. lot of people here don't. I feel value. What MLS experience means?
4: Me, I value it a little, uh, maybe too much even. It's very important uh, because a player that comes from outside needs time to adapt. But now you have Max MLS experience. If if we're able to keep Eric MLS experience, Derek MLS experience, uh, bomb MLS experience, Ali now MLS experience, it's not guys that are gonna be surprised by the league. Mm in any ways. They know the players now. They watch games in MLS. So a lot of them that had zero MLS experience next year, they will have MLS experience. But are we looking to sign players inside the league? Yes, we are. Problem is, it's very hard. Yeah. It, the league has it in a way that if the market was more like South America or Europe, we would have players here that want to play here but they can leave their club it it creates kind of a prison it's a yeah. prison made of gold <laughs> and it's all it's all the assets as well and i guess it's easy to say why don't we go get that guy from sporting or that guy from dallas or that guy from atlanta yeah we want there's guys we want but how do you go get them because Sometimes those guys are even more more expensive than guys that play in the first division of Argentina. Uh, the, the how the league is set up makes it very very difficult for you to to sign players inside the league.
2: With the team as well finishing at the bottom, I mean it's arguable how many assets you've maybe got for trading that other teams would want. Because obviously the ones that they're going to want is the ones you're going to want to keep here yes. mostly you've got this high draft pick as well and I know you you spoke earlier this week to Har about you've identified what position you'd want to go for, would you consider giving that up if you got a good MLS player in return?
4: Yes 100% and some of our pieces that are very high valued in the eyes of other clubs that maybe us we think that we could move Mm -hmm. Uh, we're evaluating all of that um you don't rebuild the club if there was european or 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 south american rules there and you now have the ability to rebuild the club from zero and owners say we want to spend it's much easier much easier and mls your owners saying we want to spend more there's we can't spend the money of our owners everywhere where we want because we have a cap yeah there are some places that our owners want to spend but we can't so now we need to it's not going to be done in uh uh, the improvement that we're going to have in three transfer windows are, are going to be significant in my opinion after this one if we're able to do what i imagine we could do it's going to be very good um but but it 's not easy to go from where we went not even one year ago. started in November fifteen yeah. not even one year ago to be here with the rules of MLs is hard, Is hard
2: right the, the owners came out and they've they made a comment of we 've got money to spend yeah. they 've offered these season ticket holders packages that they can cancel by the end of January if they 're not happy with what's happened with the build does it does that just add to your pressure do you feel under a lot of pressure to deliver in this window you've talked about three windows but I think some of this has raised the expectation amongst the fan base that this is all going to happen immediately by January you're going to have all these players here do you feel that pressure
4: my job yeah I'm always under pressure I understand that but it needs to be uh, realistic, what I could do, you know? Yeah. It's if that comes out to the fans, but I, you know, there's I know. so much I could do. Yeah. Yeah, but no, but to answer that question, the expectation in people that want a big name and we're like, a, we're working on it. And I, I spoke with important players, but that doesn't mean we're going to end up yeah. getting them. Um, the other thing is with the owners saying they will, they will spend, look, when I arrived there, I know I've challenged a lot of people to, to, to think about this as a club and not uh, me, the coach, with the club. You know, this is not about me. And there was no, there was a kind of a head of recruiting, but not real department, my valuation of that head of recruiting that was in place, the process, my valuation was very low. So then we had to, t- we started the process of today we have three people on, on the ground. And sometimes people ask me, oh, are you going to announce who are these people? No, we don't have to. We don't have to. You Just trust that we have three guys that are being paid by our club to do some work they're all on the ground one is uh, is currently gonna go to the can u23 uh, can uh, another one is right now in South America watching a lot of games for us uh, we've been there with him uh, we're gonna have a, a head of that department so that doesn't change the, the role of the sporting director it's still I still I still think that we're gonna have a head of recruiting a sporting director that's gonna take a lot of uh, A lot of work off the head coach because I need to focus only on the field and on the players, and it wasn't the case this year. I I focused way too much on things outside the field. So if you look at that investment alone, that costs money. That costs money because the sporting director isn't coming out of the Fruit loop box yeah right
2: but folk don't appreciate that they just think the Fonzie money is only going to go on players and And even the
4: Fonzie money you know if you want my opinion on that how much are we talking about that in the world after I remember uh, because I'm close to a club like Porto They don't justify every day what, where's the Hulk money? Where's the Falcão money? Where's the Jackson Martinez money? Where's the João Moutinho money? Where's the Danilo, Alexandro, Mangala, Otamendi, Guarín? It never stops. Where's the André Villas-Boas money? Where's the Mourinho money? All transfers from Porto, mm-hmm. they don't talk about that. Here, I, I, f- I was impressed how many months I spoke about it. <laughs> there's a lot of investment. Like, for the owners to say, the sporting director, that's going to be a high position. The recruiting and how much we're paying the guys. On. So I, I feel there's a huge bounce right now in our club. But unfortunately, it's not a bounce yet that translates to goals in or balls hitting the post or wins and losses. But if we continue serious with what we're putting in place, it will bring us to a very steady place as a club. In MLS,
2: I, it annoys me if folk want to see big-name players. And the whole designated player tag, Just I think it's a millstone around players next because as soon as they've got that tag... Joaquin is a, g- a great example. He's a young DP. It's like, he's a DP. He should be doing this. He should be doing that. But if you look at the two teams in this year's MLS Cup, they've not got these big name players that, yeah, folk will know Jordan Morris because he's American. Yeah.
4: But, and they'll know Ruy Diaz and they'll know Lodero.
2: But they're not the big name guys no, that folks been watching no. on TV. But and they're I don't big, think you You know that. what?
4: My answer on big names is we have huge names in our roster. Big names, Ali Adnan. So the folks that don't understand how big is his name, come with me one day to Iraq. Mm. You get off the plane if you go visit Ali Adnan, and there's a red carpet that comes out of the the plane. Inbiam is not a big name. Inbiam, maybe more people know. Uh, there's a bigger population in, in South Korea than in Sweden. More South Korean knows Inbiam than Swedish people know Ibrahimovic. So it's very re- relative, big name. Now, send us a list of the players that you feel would make the club happy. Those are tough to get, man. Yeah. But I understand that, and I understand fun, fans want that, and today I understand the, how, how soccer is... Uh, I, I use. I spoke about this to coaches and friends of mine that are in Europe and South America and say... We're almost not coaches anymore. We're going to end up being entertainers. We're like in the movie business. The movie business, the, the more drama, the more crazy things happen, the more he's getting fired, he's getting hired. And now you become an actor in a movie set. And uh, you're, you're, and that, that's just how the game is going right now. You know Ali's
2: been in Iraq and yeah. photographed with that. How does that make you feel as a coach? He's doing a great thing, he's with his Ali, people, but it looks a very dangerous situation.
4: Yeah, I let him be. I let him be because he's... Uh, Ali is... Uh, I know Ali like a son, you know? he As he projects this hard guy, always bitching to the refs and players... But with a huge heart. With a huge heart. And I've seen those two parts in him. So that's his type of person. So I'm not surprised he's in the mouth of the wolf right now. Uh, so he has this personality, but he has a huge, huge heart. It doesn't worry you, though, that things could get out mm-hmm. of hand. and No, but I, you know, when it's... Uh, when it's situations like that, and he he has his family there, and he I try not to think about it too much. Does it worry me? Yes, it does, but would i would I message him to get out of there? No because it's uh his family's there, a lot of people, and he's one hundred percent committed to his family, and I know that that comes before before soccer, so I'm worried a little bit, but I don't think about it.
2: MDS there, with part two of our our chat with him. And a a lot of interesting things coming out of that bit as well. One of the things he talked about is that we we need two major attacking pieces. Ideally, two number nines if he can get them, but a nine, a winger, at least one major midfielder, maybe two. And another defender. So, I mean, he's talking about that we need five or six starters still. So that goes into what we we're talking about in the last part about. By, I'm saying we've got this core to build around, but he still feels we need five or six starters to that's get half this the team. Yeah, to get this a competitive team.
3: It's clearly he's listening to me because that's what the positions yes. I've stated before too. Uh, two,
2: two number nines. though? Well, that was what, the interesting what, thing because he said if he can get two good number nines, he would look at possibly playing four four two.
3: Yeah. But remember, also he 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 likes the way teams like Liverpool and Napoli play, where they're they're the striker. There's no real number nine, but everybody kind yeah, of yeah. He's mentioned swaps that a around. Few times so now. two number nines. Reina could be considered a number mm. nine too in a way in his in his thing. So if you have three guys that can score up front but can go all over the place, that's ideal for them. And,
1: well, what does that say about the nines that are here then? Well, yeah, they're not like,
3: very what, good. What, and also, what they're and they don't fit the system. Is. Yeah, they don't yeah,
2: fit cause, a system because you you can't like. We love Theo Bear. He's not the guy that should be starting next year. He's no. your guy that you're going to bring Come off, off the bench. bench. Son Ricketts as well, a guy, an impact sub coming off the bench. Freddie Montero, and we've talked about this, I like him in the super sub role. That's a luxury I don't know the Whitecaps can have because he is going to be an asset. He could be one of these guys. I mean, we talked about MLS experience and he, he talked about trading a, the draft pick potentially or... Pieces that are viewed as high value by other clubs, but maybe not as high value here. And as soon as he said that, I'm thinking Freddie's going to have a high value elsewhere. Well, he's maybe a legend. El- val- he's a legend elsewhere, as he said last week. Yeah, and but maybe not valued as highly here. But then he was also talking about, and I love this description of MLS. It's like a prison for the players. Because yeah. I've always said they're like slaves. Yeah, it's like it's a prison. There's players that want to come and play in Vancouver, but he can't get them for a number of reasons. And it's not the old reason of, oh, the club won't spend. The club are willing to bring some of these players here, but the other clubs either won't want to let them go, or their salaries are so stupid in the whole MLS salary cap scheme of things that you can go outside and get a player on such a lower salary that it doesn't make any sense. But they haven't done that, though. (laughs) No, no. But that is kind of what he's talking about. And I we have to get some players in of MLS experience. I, I do feel, and I said it there, it's maybe the value of having this MLS experience isn't as appreciated as I think it should be. And I was guilty for that in the early years as well. I didn't think it mattered. But as I've grown to watch the league and seen the players here and seen all everything that happens in the course of a season... You do need players that know the league and all these different environments and the travel and all this kind of stuff. And it is hard to get them. And if we had a free market transfer policy like you have in Europe, that's got pros and cons. The cons are clearly that players are going to want to pick to go to the big teams and it would maybe make it difficult for Vancouver to get some of these guys. Yeah, we all know it's a wonderful city to live. That's a hard selling point MDS has talked about how dumb players are sometimes and they don't understand what a wonderful city this is. So that makes it difficult. But it does sound like we're going to be busy and the, the free agency thing will be coming up soon. But before that, you've got the trade window within MLS that's opening after the MLS Cup. So in next week's show, we won't know what's happening because it's after that. But I think there's going to be some movement and I'll be very, very surprised if there's not at least one, maybe two players from MLS that come in during that window. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that shakes down. Or or bakes off. One thing that Mark said there, which again, kind of alluded to in the last part, he sees this team being built over the next three transfer windows. (sighs) Now, I asked him there about the... It's basically a millstone round his neck. I feel the club have sent this thing out to season ticket holders to say if you're not happy with the moves that's made, you can cancel your season ticket renewal at the end of January. Is it January 2020 or January? <laughs> and as <laughs> Steve said, the transfer window doesn't actually open until no. February for one thing, so that's difficult. And I know why they've done it because they know if they didn't do that, they would have got cancellations now. So at least they're hoping. They're probably hoping that folk forget, for one thing, to cancel. But they're also hoping that there can be maybe some moves made that will keep people hanging around and pique the interest. But from Mark's point of view, that just heaps the pressure on him that he has to deliver. And some things are out of his control. You you look at Ujo, the the Korean guy that he wanted in the summer. He really wanted him, but he was outbid. And he's talked about, yeah... I'm going to watch players in certain places, but so are Milan and Chelsea and all these big teams. And if you've got all this interest, they've got more money and they've got bigger gravitas in the world game. Whether players are going to be starters there or not, players tend to go to the bigger teams, well, they rightly get paid or wrongly. More, yeah, yeah. The, the, uh, yeah. In, in, in it was one of those things that they felt like
1: they had to do, right? Like you're saying, to save face and, to, and literally try and save season ticket holders, which is saving money for them. But uh, it also, it's kind of like when, when the Fonzie deal went through. It's another thing that other clubs, especially in MLS, maybe not so much around the world, will, will maybe know that they have to do something and therefore can drive up the price of what people yeah. want from them, or the what they want. Certainly in within
2: MLS, they're going to yeah. think, "Well, you guys are rolling in money. You want Johnny Russell? Yeah, you can have." Well, you're it.
1: rolling in money, and you've told your fan base you're going to do something by this certain day. Yeah,
2: so that that just puts the, the pressure. The price well. till January 31st is now this. Yeah. I, I like that MDS talked about how he's challenged the way that people think within the club because that's been much needed, and we won't get into that just now because that's a whole part in itself. This was fascinating to me. His valuation of the recruitment process when he came into the club <laughs> was very low. He hopes to have a head of recruitment as well as this technical director. Have to say, I wish i good luck in, in getting that. Yeah. But I mean, he's talking about the recruitment process and the, the head of recruitment. I don't even know who was in charge really of recruitment. Was it Greg Anderson? Was it Bobby? Was it the overall committee? Whatever it was, he talked about there. He feels he's had to focus too much on stuff off the pitch and not what a head coach should be doing but, on the pitch. But that's the thing. A head coach
1: in the era of the Vancouver Whitecaps and MLS, uh you could, oh, actually Tater, I guess, had Tommy, which was turned out to be its only, oh, its only kind of negative, or turned out to be a negative in its own right. Um But Martin Rennie and, and Carl Robinson, it was the same thing. Yep. They did all the stuff. Those people had titles but didn't really they they didn't they were more like approving what those managers were doing they were very much like managers in the english sense where mds is longing sounds like he's longing to be a a coach in a german sense where someone else is doing more responsible for those other things so like when people think about this Martin Rainey and Carl Robinson did all that off the field stuff. Whether you think they did it well or poorly or you know who they brought in to help with that or whatever, you can have your opinion about that, but they all did that. So now MDS doesn't want to do some of that so he can focus more on the on the on-field thing, which is it's just it's just a different approach, it's fair. Yeah. But the other thing that doesn't fit well with all this is, yeah, who else was responsible for this other than Bobby and Greg Anderson? And what they've done with Bobby and what you've heard MDS say with, I don't understand why people think Bobby's in charge of all this stuff. So they've taken his title away. He still gets probably paid the same. They've taken his title away. So now no one thinks he's responsible Mm -hmm. for, for, for that stuff. But she wasn't to begin with. But
2: that's. So so
1: so why did they only call these person the head coach then? It should be they should have been the head coach and
2: GM to put it in North American language. Well, we'll talk about DPS more after the next part and what the value for big name is and who we define define as a big name player. But we do have a DP just now in Ali Adnan. He's over in Iraq. We've seen the pictures on Twitter. It looks a, a scary situation to put yourself in, but. I mean, hats off to him, putting himself in that, showing his love for the country, that that is fantastic. There was a a report that came out this weekend, I think it was in one of the Iraqi papers, where he talked about he's got offers from clubs in Turkey and Germany, and he's kind of mulling these over. Will he be back for next year? I think
3: this could be just to sell himself in his own country. Uh, it could be something yeah. similar to that. Like, just, I, I look, look, at I'm playing for the Whitecaps, but I'm getting all this other interest. I was wondering
2: though. if it was also the old news from before he actually sent the Whitecaps too. deal. But. Well, you, asked, I think I
1: saw you also tweet about this, Michael, saying, oh, maybe this is how they're getting three DPs by yeah. by him
2: moving on. That's but We'll save that talk for maybe the next part, because Mark's got a, a few more interesting things to say, and we'll be back with that after this.
0: Hi, I'm Jake Nowinski, and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. Chocolate My Chocolate
2: My Chocolate boy. Welcome back to part four of the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio, 101.9 FM. That was Beat Happening, Hot Chocolate Boy. Beat Happening are going to be Artist of the Month at some point next year. I love Beat Happening. It is hot chocolate weather. Yeah, except for,
1: except for here in the studio.
2: Yeah, it's roasting in here. I feel like taking my clothes off. But I always do when I'm around you two strapping guys. We appreciate that. It's, we it's appreciate the,
1: you keeping your clothes on.
2: It's the beards. what can I say? I love hot chocolate in theory. But whenever I have one, I never seem to enjoy it as much as I, oh. as I want. I don't know what it is, but yeah. Song there said he's never had one. Hot chocolate, bad one. Something the Whitecaps have never really had, and mentioned this in the last part, Is that real difference maker. What kind of difference maker, what kind of DP should the Whitecaps be looking for? Should it be one of these big name players? Should it be a, a guy that would turn out to be someone like a Diego Valeri? Maybe not heard of, but comes in and lights up the league. Everyone wants that, of course. So MDS talks a little bit about what he's looking for in this final part of our chat with him and a few other things as well. Let's get back to Mark DeSantos. If you look at DPs in this league as well, you've got like two good ones to talk about, the two guys that's leaving, Rooney and Zlatan. Rooney, I wasn't a fan of his before he came here, more for his off-the-field stuff, but the way he came here... Talked up the lead, talked up domestic players. was excellent. Then you've got Zlatan. It's always about Zlatan. He was great to talk to when he was here.
4: Zlatan, Zlatan, with all due respect I have for that, uh, the player. Zlatan is a sideshow. And he, uh, with all due respect, him on the field, phenomenal, in the box, the player he is, everything. But the rest... It's too much. He thinks uh, the way he speaks, and it was funny in the beginning. Then, then it was very disrespectful for his teammates, um, very disrespectful to to the people around him. In my opinion, to the other teams, the other, the it's fine to say that uh, that he was a better, bigger name than Carlos Vela. Uh, he 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 probably plays at the age of 36, 37, 38 at an incredible level. Uh, Who's Carlos Vela next to me in these type of talks? Uh, Vela in 2019 was bigger than you, buddy. And never mind the other years. The other years doesn't count. This year, what counts? And what I think is... um, it's good that players like uh, like that don't win a championship with their teams because it shows that at the end of the day, what win what wins championships, it's uh, the commitment, the collective commitment of eleven guys on the field, and that's what we want to focus as as a club. So I like the DPS that come in are actually committed to the team process yeah. like look that's at, what I was gonna hint at look that. at almiron almiron if go if you go back just to watch the Atlanta games last year the same way he run f- uh, forward he run backwards with the same intensity Joseph Martinez players like that Carlos Veles committed to his team guys like that I wish for th- Blanco Lodero mm. These guys are committed to their team. And I I prefer DPs like that than DPs that uh, uh, everybody flies in economical. They have to fly in first class. They don't eat at two with the team. They eat at three. Trust me, what I'm saying, it happens in the league. And those guys are not committed to the team. Those guys are all about themselves. And I'm happy that teams like that, teams with players like that, don't win championships.
2: We've talked before about the amount of games that you watch in in a in a week, and players coming on your radar this is something I was kind of wanting to ask you earlier in the season, but obviously you watch games, you get scouting reports you get feedback from people that you know in the game you've talked a lot about like championship manager and stuff like that as well. Have you ever come across a player playing that and you think? he's been good in this and then you actually look into him in real life and you're like he would be good for my team not necessarily here but in any previous clubs that you've managed
4: yeah I have Uh, stats have helped me Uh, um, but the thing that helped me the most is trying to fade away from everything around the player because sometimes you go watch a player or you watch a player on clip and you you see a Bad environment, a crappy grass field, 2,000 people in the stands. And because of the environment, you limit what you're looking at. But I learned with time now to focus on the profile. Players that come from a weird and shit environment, sorry what I'm telling you, Atuesta, Segura, if you go watch them live, it's, okay, what's this here? Diego Rossi, mm. Peñaroles, or, or, or Rodriguez in LFC. And Peñarol is a big club in South America, but against who they play in some stadiums they play in Uruguay is, is small, not a lot of fans, small little stadiums. But if you just, I learned just focus on the profile. Does the player do, and every movement, and how dynamic he is, does he do? what you want and is that going to help your team and I learned a lot with that on focusing 100 I learned a lot this year on profile a lot and I spoke a lot about that profile profile doesn't matter if you played 10 games for Real Madrid you might not have the right profile it's just profile has shown me a lot a lot
2: uh, talking about, of then profiling new talent, you've, I know you've been down in South America and I know you're about to go off on a, another trip to another continent. Yeah. So we've had so many players here from South America. The Leaks had so many players from South America. Every other club seems to do the recruitment better in South America than we have. So many of our South American talents just hasn't worked out over the years. Yeah. Fans seeing this... what? Well, what would make them think that this time it's going to be different? That if we get South American talent, it's going to be more
4: like a Valeri or a Rossi than some of the ones we've had here that's missed? I don't know. I don't know how it was done in the past. We hope that the guys we're looking at are, are, are the right guys. Uh, we hope that we're going to go after the right the right players. But, but it seems like the guys we're looking at evolved the profile to adapt here but again we're not just looking at South America yeah. uh, uh, even in Asia we're still looking so we have a target in Asia and we have targets in Europe right now uh, we're focusing 100% on the profile on what MLS is about on the the MLS is a league that has a lot of transition a lot of high speed running, a lot of ball lost and now you're running back at high speed and it's not a compact type of game uh, and we need players that have the ability to do that and I think when you look a lot at the the Argentinian first division, for example you see a game that's more like that, very men oriented high speed running, a lot of transition and that's sometimes why players from there adapt faster to MLS than than any other players not because they're Argentinians it's because the league's like that just go watch the level of intensity of the second lef- leg of the semifinal Libertadores River against Boca man incredible incredible the 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 level but then you you fight with other things uh, it's good to say, oh, the River and, and Boca game was phenomenal in the intensity. And now people think, oh, Mark was there. Oh, now <laughs> they bring a, a a big list of players from River and Boca that we're after. Yeah, I'm after. Yes, it's true. Like Milan is. Like Chelsea is. Like, the big clubs are all there. The big clubs are. That, that's been what I was going to ask, because it's like... Frust- you talked
2: about this it, earlier in the season. It's
4: frustrating the names that sometimes come to yeah. me <laughs> by rumour that people throw. It's people that are only behind the computer, unfortunately, and it looks easy. You know, I've been in situations that in 24 hours, real real story, situation where in 24 hours, the price of a player went up 1.8 to 2 million just because he scored two goals in that night against a certain opinion, uh, opponent, I've been in those positions that I'm like, what happened in 24? <laughs> no, I can't get to that anymore. That's the dynamic of the market. And yeah. the dynamic of the market, it's not just, oh, we need a number 10. Yeah, okay, let's go after. Hey, you, come. And that's the solution. It's so not like that. And that's what where I think our club was left a little bit behind in the years. It's because we don't have a a team that only focuses on the market and looking ahead, what's in six months. Who can we sell in one year that is a value for the market and it's going to give us a resale to go get this guy that we could go get in one year or in six months. The big clubs in the world work like that. And we haven't been part of that. We've been away from, from that. We've been away from the party a little bit, in my opinion.
2: I, I think, though, that's why so many folk pounce on the rumours. Because names get thrown out there. Olivier Giroud, Vani was photographed being in Sweden, looking yeah. at, at stuff like that. But
4: Yeah, but it's true that, that Vani was there. Yes, And it's true that he was looking at, at some players there. And it's true that I'll be there and there. But then to link all the time with a name, sometimes it's real names and sometimes it's not real. It creates a, 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 a false expectations. Now, the thing that we cannot control, we have no control on is the maturity of the fan. You're a, you're a journalist. You're a, you're, you're, you work with media you're also in your heart a little bit of a fan. Yeah,
2: I think of myself okay. as a fan first. Yeah, but sorry.
4: you're mature. Every time you speak with me, there's a maturity from you, from maybe what you lived and yeah. the knowledge you have in soccer that you know it's not only, oh, we need, we should go get this guy from Sporting Kansas City because he's really good. They should go after him. What does that mean? You know, or we need a number ten, we should go get a number ten but if if the number tens today that are in the market are all from zero to ten a five, why would we go get a number ten when we could go get uh two number nines that are number eights from zero to ten, and we play in a four four two because of that because they're so mm. good, the two number nines so it's not only go get a player to go get a player we needed in the right timing in the market you spoke about uh, Valeri Valeri if you go back to Portland where he was in his career was the t- right timing for him to go to Portland
2: and he was you a guy folk here didn't know who he was and then he no, comes in and it's no. just yeah he blows yeah. it up yeah I wanted to just quickly ask you about the CPL yeah. I don't know how much CPL stuff you've watched this year, or if you've had a
4: chance to do it But I, I watched a lot the month we, we were preparing for mm-hmm. Calgary uh, but I didn't now with the recruiting I'm not the only thing I'm following is maybe two or three possible players That's that we could be answer. interested um, but watching full games I have to watch other full games right now and uh, we we have a scout that takes care of the USL, CPL uh, and college mm. and we, I just ask him, you know, if there's anything coming up that you really think needs all of my attention so he would come up sometimes and say, look Mark, you really should look at this guy and now I'm look now, I'm, now I would look at a game or that, but am I involved and watching a lot no not right now
2: and the last thing the development team yeah it's not been ideal no they've not been playing in a league no I know there had been kind of interest in a BC soccer tier 3 kind of league starting but that's definitely not starting next year what is the ideal situation for you to have these young guys yeah should they be playing in a league is
4: does the current system work the current system right now, there's good things because some players have been training a lot with the first team, but in the big picture of it, it's not good. Um, it's not good enough, I would say. And we have a lot of talks, me, uh, Craig Darimpol, Nick uh, Dasovic, and there's. Let's not lie to each other. What really gives a better chance for players to develop is to be in a league play 30 games during the year but that count for points um, being under pressure somehow in stadiums uh, of course the best thing for for a second team right now in North America is the USL system uh, but not that's not something we're, we're a part of uh, so right now we're trying to find what's the best solution and what you guys should know, and fans and you, is that we've evaluated it. We're able to say what's good and what's bad. It's not good enough, for sure. Uh, but we're, we're working hard to try to find out what the best solution for, for these players are.
2: Thank you, as always, for your time today. Sorry yeah. I went on a bit long Thanks. as usual. But I really Thank appreciate it. Good luck on your travels. I'm sure we'll talk soon. Mark DeSantos, the gaffer. Hope you enjoyed that chat with him. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Great to sit and pick his brain like that. He had a a lot of time for us. We spoke a little bit after recorded as well. Poor guy. I talked to Zero for about an hour altogether. But I fully agree with what he said there around DPs and you do win championships as a team. It's not about individuals. You look at a guy like Zlatan, he hasn't won an MLS Cup. Obviously, that's the down point in his career. He hasn't got a complete career now, uh, as that question that we talked about last week. But when you've got individuals that it does feel that they're more playing for themselves. It's not good for a team environment.
3: No, but the thing is with the, the Galaxy, I'm going to disagree with that there. It, it's not because of Zlatan that they didn't win. It's because they didn't build a team around him. Yeah. He they didn't, didn't, have the they didn't properly. He needed, but they he did.
2: let his teammates yeah, know they, that he didn't have the quality around him.
3: And I'm assuming that the. You know what? The teammates, you see him score a goal. The teammates don't seem to be hating the guy. They don't like. Ignore I'm sure he told his teammates, I'm going to say this in order to do something. Maybe the the front office will do something about it. He could be working in conjunction with the teammates too because I, I don't see him as being as somebody that attacks teammates. He's never done that really in the past.
2: Did, did you see Felipe's tweet this week? It no. was Felipe's birthday and he said, oh, Wayne Rooney called him up yeah. and said, what are you doing tonight? And it's like, oh, nothing because his family's not yeah. out there yet. And he's like, oh, I'll, I'll come right and I'll take you out for dinner. He said, if that was Latin, he'd invite me around to his house to tell me how good he was. Yeah. yeah see, that's
3: it. the perception that everybody has about Zlatan, but does he actually do that? He was charming here. Yeah. Like it, and, and the way he interacted with the fans after the game, he was he was he, he was a totally different Zlatan than you see on the on the TV. Now, Rooney, like you said, he, people consider him as an individual, but look at you, your example right there. He seems a consummate teammate, where he's going to be looking out for his teammates, even though he's the highest paid or, guy. Or he
2: just likes the party. Well, there, there's that as well. Isn't that just a clown, though? <sighs> I, he's, he's, I don't think a so. A little bit at times, but he kind of became that, I feel, as the, the season went on. For me, you need attacking DP players to, to come in, be prepared to help as a team, to defend when needed as well. And it's interesting, in an earlier part, he mentioned about the last few games and the defensive shifts that were were put in by Ricketts and Shirinos and how that basically helped the team get these victories. Kind of taking a dig at the guys that were playing before weren't putting in the defensive shifts that he's needing. I think he's talking about one particular player. Yeah. Yeah. And it is about getting the right profile. This is when he mentions about getting the right profile for the players because it didn't work this year because it was rushed. He thought he had the right profiles, but he didn't.
1: Right. A part of that whole profile thing or like who the players are is you talk about playing for the team and playing as an individual, those things do not have to be mutually exclusive. It's, oh, no. It's, no, no, no. It should be a both end. Yeah. Uh, and so you need players who are good individually but will
3: also play for the team. Because every player wants to play for themselves. Oh, yeah. I mean, you want a both ends. But a designated player should be – we talked about it before. The better the designated player is, and if he's committed to the team, he will elevate the talent around. Yeah. And they will get better. They'll have more confidence. They'll do that so you need to have the talent there in order to build up the rest of the team. But
1: but again, but Having this conversation about the Vancouver Whitecaps doesn't make any sense because they don't actually bring in true designated players.
2: Well, we have to... Let's not to talk get, about the past. Let's no, look through the, to the future. We've got to look forward and give Mark the chance to deliver.
1: You're going to say that, but... No, no. But what are the signs that they're actually going to do that?
3: There are no signs because we are not. We can't read signs. We, we're not going to We're going to wait to see results. Yeah, so I mean, there's no point in like Mar- saying Mark's they're not going to happen he, if it's, we don't even yeah, know what's going to happen.
2: just he He's looking at targets in South America, Asia, and Europe. I'm prepared to give him the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, the club in the past hasn't delivered. I'll wait and see. Ask me in the summer if I feel that the club's delivered after the second transfer window. But
1: again, they've imposed this. There's a self-imposed deadline that they have to deliver yeah. by the end of January. Well, as long
2: as they deliver one, and I think the expectation is there's going to be at least one difference maker added by then. But when you but listen, things to MB- can fall down. As he mentioned there, he's in for a player. The player scores two goals, and right away his value jumps yeah. up by nearly two million and when
1: you listen to him, it sounds very much different than what you hear the other oh, people talking about. Yeah, very about.
2: much so. I mean, the South American market—it seems to work in MLS. So many teams have a lot of success. And I was having a debate with someone this week about this as well. Master whether our—it was quite a masturbator. Whether our South American players have worked on the whole? It feels to me that they've not. But then they were arguing, "Well, we've had Camilo. He he worked well." And Obviously, he was South American. Pedro in his first year. Mesquita, he had in there as as being a guy. And Matthias Laba as well. Rivero too, But then really? I think of like Rivero, Ardiez, some of the centre-backs and other guys that just haven't worked out. Good boy. Would, would you say it's worked? Is it 50-50? It's a mixed bag.
3: It's a mixed bag. I think they've they've always tried to get that player that can, like not... not like Atlanta, for example, Atlanta gets the high end young talent and they want to exceed that. They're getting middling younger, youngish talent that they could hopefully can't. Elevate their game into the, in a new environment, so it's a it's a kind of different thing. Now, if they were spending the money like Atlanta did, maybe it works better. Obviously, it would, but uh, you never know. It depends on the, the profile, like you said, of who they. Yeah, well, for. Atlanta
1: uh, they got Barco, obviously, but then they also got Pity Martinez, who's not super young.
3: And and these guys, you don't have to scout because they you know what they are. They, it seems like they but we talked about it before. It seems like the ones the Whitecaps used to do was the YouTube scouting mm. that we would do uh, on Twitter all the time. But it, it, we we're we not really paid to do that. <laughs> They're yeah. actually paid to I, I, uh, see the like players. As
2: Mark said as well, there's a big difference. And I've talked to him about this early in the year. There's a big difference between showing an interest in a player, Lucas Cavallini, just say, oh, well, what would it take to get him? And actually making a bona fide offer. Yeah. yeah. As soon as you do anything, as he said there, you've seen it a game, and immediately it's like, oh, which players he, yeah. he, he linked with. He might just want to go and take a game of football in. Yeah, yeah but, but then
1: he's not going to Sweden to take in the game of football. No.
3: But the, but the thing is, I don't understand why they get so upset. Let people talk about it. It's not going to... They should say it, that. It, it I mean, really annoys him. It, it, I understand it the really white annoys him. The Whitecaps
2: fully like it because they seem to be linked with bigger talent. And yeah. then when nothing comes off, it makes it actually look worse for them. But then
3: that's that's the, that's the the that goes against the people that are reporting to this. That's yeah. actually it should be against them, not against the white caps. I,
2: I think, though, that is one of the things that does frustrate Mark, that people then, when they see that none of these big-name targets get delivered... He maybe feels, oh, I feel going to think I failed, whereas I was never trying to get this yep. player to begin with. That's the problem. Yeah.
3: People people have expectations once they see somebody in a stadium
2: that, oh, we're definitely getting this guy. It's not going to always happen that way. We won't go into the development team stuff just now. We'll save that for another day. Last thing just to talk about, and then we'll, we'll finish up with the Mark DeSantis chat. CPL final was yesterday. He mentioned there that there's a couple of players maybe on his radar. There's been some reports out there of a couple of names. There's speculation. Piscotti was one that was linked early in the year. Tristan Borges is the m- most recent name. But again, there's linking and just saying, oh, if Whitecaps would be interested in him. It, it, he was playing amateur football this time last year. Is that too big a jump for him to make from the CPL to come into MLS to expect to be a key performer? No, or
3: I in, I, th- I I think he'd be a uh, somebody on the roster, a roster player. I don't think he'd be like a impact player. Star, yeah, yeah, he's not. But if you're
1: player. Tristan Borges, is Vancouver really the place you want to go? Yeah, it's like would you want Forge? to give up being um, being a starter? Let me or... think.
3: Uh, money wise, probably yes. Yeah. It's all, no, it's no, all no, in no. the money.
1: Sorry, Sorry. I think because the, the question isn't shocking. stay at Forge
2: or go to Vancouver. It's higher the profile. Whole, the whole world. Mm. I'm talking about, I'm talking about the, yeah, I think you'll
1: have better opportunities.
2: Well, you look that Valor sent some guys down to New Zealand. So leagues around the world are clearly watching the, the CPL. And there's an argument as well that some some of these guys could end up playing in USL. And I know folk think that USL standard, it's the same as the CPL. There's a lot of folk out there, including players, that see the USL at a higher standard right now than CPL. Well, they've been around longer. And the wages are certainly higher. Yeah, they've been around there's, longer. There's, of course they're going to be there's higher. There's
1: potential for more wages, yeah, for sure. Mm.
2: But well, that's it for our chat with Mark DeSantis. As I say, I hope you've enjoyed it. Let us know what you thought of anything that came out of that and we can talk about it in next week's show. Get in touch with us on Twitter at AFTN Canada. Send an email at AFTNCanadaHotmail.com. We will be back with our final part of tonight's show, Wavelength and Headlines, after this. Hi, I'm DeSaint Ricketts and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. Bad, not as bad as Zach that's been playing with his nuts during every break here, but very smooth. I was surprised when I was holding them pistachio. pistachio so yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, do we need to clarify? Sorry, yeah, outside of the studio, Off, outside definitely. You're back listening to the AFD and soccer show on CITR radio 101.9 FM. That was metric from Toronto Monster Hospital. Because it was Halloween, we had some Halloween-themed songs last week. And it was Dia de los Muertos. Yes, yeah. and you had some fun. of the fun. Dead. oh, a lot of fun. Dia of the Dead. I, I celebrated World. Reformation Day. Oh. I had a great Halloween. I went to a Tim Burton-themed thing at the Bowman Studios. There was folk dressed up as the Queen from Alice in Wonderland. and I dressed up as
3: Sad Thor this year.
2: Oh, really? <laughs>
3: yeah.
1: Brothor, like the yeah Brothor, nice. Yeah. Well, I, I sorry, I hate that name for him. Oh, uh, what did, did you and Caitlin dress up? No, you're just the anniversary <laughs> anniversary people.
2: Yeah, happy anniversary! Thank you. How many years is it now? Seventeen. As I always say, if I'd murdered her, I'd be possibly getting out in parole by now. Oh, what? That is so terrible. <laughs> now, it's wavelength time. It's a new month, and I've, I've tried to go for some themes with our, our Wavelength songs th- this year. I was going to go with Football Violence Awareness Month in the hope oh, of what might happen at the MLS Cup. We some good things to talk about there. Yeah, but I'm saving that for February. February for me is Football Violence Awareness Month. But I thought instead we'll go back to some songs about football players. And with it being Halloween, there's a very famous footballer whose birthday is on Halloween. He was 55 this year. A Dutch legend, Marco van Basten. I don't use the word legend lightly. He's a player that I'm sure some of our younger listeners maybe haven't even heard of. But he was a—he was only a two-team man, and that's rare in itself these days. Had six seasons with Ajax, scoring staggering 128 goals in 133 appearances. Eight seasons with Milan, scoring 90 goals in 147 appearances. He made 58 appearances for the Netherlands scored 24 goals, was named FIFA Player of the Year in 92, won the Ballon d'Or three times, 88, 89, 92, string of club trophies as well, won the Euros with Holland in 88. What about volley? He was super Marco van Basten and here's a song all about him.
0: In the ports of Amsterdam special man. Super Marco, Super Marco. He played up to the crowd and made Ajax very proud. Super Marco, Super Marco. He's a master like Vermeer, but he got the taste of lyrics, so he went to make his fortune in Milan. Since he joined the Rossonieri, he's the Capo canonieri. You can hear him singing, catch me if you can. Super Super Marco, what a girl Super Marco, all I can do Is send a special thanks from me too like a meal, but he got the taste of lira, so he went to make his fortune in my land. Since he joined the on Yeti, he's the Capo Cano you can hear him sing and catch me if you can. Super Marco, lighting the sky, Super Marco, what a guy. Super Marco, all I can do is send a special band. Thanks from me to you. Super Marco, lighting the sky. Super Marco, what a guy. Super Marco, all I can do is send a special thanks from me to you. Send a special thanks from me to you. Send
2: a special thanks from me to you. The Rainbow Choir, Super Marco Van Basten. Not a fantastic song, but I just thought it was a nice cheery, yeah,
1: yeah. cheery thing. Yeah, we need some cheery stuff. Yeah. he His career was sadly ended early. Yes. Uh, dude, I think it was knee? Was it knee or ankle? One of those two. Probably
2: he, from those stunning volleys that he hit. Like that one against Russia. The yeah. one that I think everyone remembers. I had a buddy US. who was at
1: that game. At the, It was at the Olympia Stadion in Munich.
3: And I had a friend that um, was a big fan of his and every time he uh, kicked the ball, like shot on net, everything. I'm going to move back so it doesn't blow anybody's earphones, <laughs> he would always yell, <laughs> <"Broncher!"> <laughs> and then he would just kick the ball, it, it was like constant every time.
1: Well, on the schoolyard for me, yeah, yeah. he was one of, the, one of the, I still remember in elementary school, him and Maradona and maybe Pele were like three of the players, like when we were playing at lunchtime that people would be like, I, oh, that's who I am, that's who I am.
2: A L- lot of Cokeheads and Viagra fans at your elementary school? I don't get that reference Maradona and Peli oh gotcha plus you were out in the valley so who knows no I was in <laughs> Ontario I was <laughs> <done> <laughs> on oh Ontario. I Ontario <laughs> definitely then I think that's answered that question entirely now it's time for Steve's favourite part of the show it's BC's Soccer Web Headlines <laughs> as I stall for time <laughs> oh Steve Q's at it. yes it's time for BC's Soccer Web Headlines BC's Soccer Web Headlines Brought to you in partnership with bcsoccerweb.com. How many times can I say BC Web in one little introduction? Quite a few times. BC Soccer Web is your one-stop site for local, national and international news, links, stories, features and a lot more beside. Make it part of your daily routine, morning, noon and night. Check out bcsoccerweb.com. What's been catching your beautiful eyes this week, Steve?
3: Well, Irish eyes are the, is the part of the first story. Um, we talked about the CPL earlier. Uh, the Irish clubs are discussing an all-island domestic league. Mm. Um, the initiative has come from Irish entrepreneur Kieran Lucid, who spoke of optimism for after clubs attended an information gathering on the project last week. It centres around a 14-team premier division comprising of leading clubs from both top-flight leagues, North and South and two 10-team regional leagues below that will be kind of linked with promotion and relegation. They have a targeted set date right now for 2021, but nothing really set in stone.
2: Brexit, of course, could play a part, depending if there's a hard or a soft border. But the other thing to watch out for here as well is FIFA are very against two countries playing in the one league. Ironic, I know, considering we prim- have that here. The Premier League and MLS. Yeah, and you do have like some Welsh teams in England, I know, and Berwick playing the Scottish League. But on the whole, that's always been the argument to stop Celtic and Rangers going to play in the English Premier because you've got two separate international countries and they shouldn't and have combined And the combine only thing is,
3: is that would kill the Scottish League, I feel, if, if Celtic and yeah. Rangers left.
2: Although other folk argue that it might actually make it better because yes, be East wrong. Fife would have a yeah, chance to yeah. make it back. oh we lost our unbeaten record on <gasps> the weekend three months is pretty darn good to start a season unbeaten though but how's Baywater <sighs> who's Baywater Bywater. what's your name of your stadium Bayview Bayview dang I know all about your little German guys <laughs> but you don't know about <laughs> East Fife
1: because as Jonathan as Jonathan Denwell would say you guys are up on on German football
2: yeah, I find like Scott Strasser is a big Bundesliga fan well, and that he's, he's Austrian. He's
1: Austrian, hmm. yeah.
3: Speaking – oh, there's no segue there. Uh, World Cup bid uh, bribery is back in the Austria, spotlight. As be in the World Cup. <laughs> uh, Russia uh, – there's a two uh, – 2018, the email cash was released for the 2018 mm-hmm. uh, Russia bid.
2: Always delete your cash. Uh, i end that early. The
3: leaked emails uh, claim that they offer a blueprint of how Russia could bribe if FIFA's most senior officials to vote for them for the, that 2018 of the tournament. They contained uh, instructions on how to bribe every member of the FIFA executive committee, including Franz Beckenbauer, Michel Platini. According to screenshots published by the insider, they claim a Russian organization committee executive sent these dossiers to the three officials. One example of this would be Jack Warner, uh, Cap, our old original. friend. Yeah, he said in the leaked emails. I like it, that. It was Conker very Cap simple. Original. Yeah, vote for whoever off- would, he would vote for whoever offered the most. Oh, he's he's <laughs> honest. simple, right? Yeah. Uh, there's no evidence in the documents dated March 2010, nine months before the vote, that the bribes actually took place. It's just showing how to bribe. Yes. I mean Instructions.
2: And, and desire to accept.
3: It's,
1: it's winning a World Cup bid for dummy.
3: Yeah. Uh, Last bit about uh, FIFA. We're talking about uh, potential punishments in the future. FIFA is uh, publishing detailed verdicts of ethics and disciplinary cases. They're launching a new website. Uh, They launched it actually on Thursday. They were going to show the evidence and legal arguments in cases, including bribery taking by soccer officials, match fixing, racial abuse by fans. One of the documents included uh, are documents showing how Chelsea transfer ban was a result of 150 individual rule violations. The evidence, however, will not be published in cases settled by plea bargains such as the Manchester City avoiding the transfer rent this year for baking youth transferables as well. So while well, they are showing some transparency, they're going to be clamping, like not showing for people that agree. So maybe it's just, this is just the way to get people to agree and not have the evidence out in the open there. I don't know.
2: The thing is, clubs keep getting found guilty then keep wangling their way out of it. So it kind of just makes the whole thing farcical anyway.
1: Something not in this week's headlines, but there oh, will
2: well, be a headline. No point talking about it then. Because Thanks it, for listening oh, to the no, no, it's uh, update for this weekend. I know. No. I'm just trying to stop that going on for another half hour. What? <laughs> Steve Wilson might do that. It, it'll
3: sh- it'll show up for next weekend. Steve. The we'll next, probably next, still be recording this by be. next
2: weekend.
1: Um, no, uh, for those who love and care about Alfonso Davies, who turned 19 uh, the other day. Interesting week for him at Bayern Munich. Uh, mm. Got his first Bundesliga start, which we talked about last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, they won that game. He started again in the cup at left back, yeah. which was a little bit surprising. How did, how did that go for him? Uh, he, actually, the game on the whole was not that bad. Um, there were a couple of things. One, he scored a known goal, which is unfortunate. I've heard some people talk about how... Uh, It was maybe a little bit awkward that none of his teammates came to him after the goal and said, don't worry about it. He was kind of left isolated, which maybe speaks to more of some of the other stuff going on in the team. Uh, But they came back to win that game 2-1, advancing the cup. Uh, It was against their friendship club, Bochum, so that was kind of nice. But this weekend, uh, they got hammered. He started again at left back. They got hammered 5-1 away to Frankfurt. Uh, It sounds maybe a little bit worse than it was, but it's still very bad. Uh, Frankfurt is one of the teams that actually has a winning record against Bayern playing at home in the Bundesliga. I think it's something like 18 wins versus 16 losses or something like that. Um, But the game was shaped by a ninth-minute red card to Jerome Boateng, and so that's one of the reasons that that I think the the loss was so bad. There were scenes after the game of David Alaba having to go to the ultras to talk to them about the the poor performance and all this stuff. And then the next morning, I think the next morning or today, it resulted – or Sunday, it resulted in – Niko Kovac being fired as the, the coach, the head coach of at Bayern, which
3: could be interesting
1: to see how it impacts it, Alfonso. It could be because very impactful. He's always spoken him. very. Yeah, highly maybe he'll of
3: actually play his real position,
2: or maybe he won't play at all. I, I saw. I don't know if this was in jest or not, but Mourinho has been linked with coming in, and he's not a big fan of uh, playing no, young, young guys. Young guys, no, yeah. he's
1: not. Yeah, he, he. I don't think his German's great, so that he's a, definitely a possibility. He's. I don't he, think he does
2: know a little German. Hands
1: <laughs> love he, that joke. <laughs> he, um, but the thing is, Hassan, Hassan Salia Mujic Brato is still there, and he's that GM kind of role guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so he, he's uh Bosnian, uh, but he so he's there. He also played a significant role in bringing Alfonso, so hopefully, he'll be able to you know have his best interests at heart as, as he moves forward.
2: to, to keep an eye on, but that is it for this week's show. Just before we go, did, did you learn anything? I he learned Mr. Show.
3: Whitecap is not a big fan of Crusty the Clown, but more a big fan of Sideshow Bob.
0: Hmm.
2: <laughs> I learned that Zach's got very smooth nuts. <laughs> Pistachios, please.
1: Pistachios.
2: If that's what you like to call them.
3: To each uh, his own. Hmm? Uh, what I about, call mine almonds.
2: Oh. I learned that... Uh, I, mine's is more cashews. I learned Ooh. that...
3: <laughs> you should get that looked at. <laughs>
1: I learned that MDS feels that the 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 coaching structure at Vancouver Whitecaps over the last seven, eight years has not been sufficient and needs not to the be coaching, altered.
2: coaching, recruitment. Wow. You said coaching.
1: Yeah, the coaching structure, where the oh, coach is structure. in charge of all that I stuff. I thought it just
2: meant the coaching in general has no. been very low. No. You could argue the, the, that though as well. The structure has not been uh, ideal and it needs to be altered. I learned that even in the off season, we can't stick to two-hour shows. But we are shorter than last week's show. That just seemed to be never ending. And that was just with the two of us. <laughs> but that is it for tonight's show. But just before we go, let everyone know where they can find you online. On Twitter at Whitecapsweet. For me, it's at Zachary AM. Oh, I was waiting for you to oh. talk about your movements. Well, that's why he's having pistachios for better movements. Oh. I get walnuts would be better than, than cashews. Yeah. Look the same. I'm Michael McCall. You can find me on Twitter at AFT in Canada. On Instagram at AFT and Soccer. Give us a follow, like, subscribe, all the stuff that the young kids say on YouTube. I'll, you can also find me looking at nuts2go.com. And we will be back next week. Who knows with what? I don't. Until then, thanks for listening. Take care. And more on the meteor.